Welcome back to He's Abroad. This is Jason here in New Jersey. Probably the last time I record here from New Jersey, for a while at least. Joined as always by John, who's abroad in New Zealand. What's up, John? Hey, how you doing? Good. Doing good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, joined again by Arlen, who, uh, who, as we teased last week, is going to moderate a wonderful debate. She is not abroad in Manhattan. What's up, Arlen? Hello. How are you? Pretty good. About as good as I was. 10 seconds ago when I answered John's question about it and uh, joined again <laughs> by Brittany, who is also not abroad in Brooklyn. Indeed. Welcome, and you know what? Real How's quick before we start, I do want to offer Brittany congratulations because <laughs> I believe you. her wedding is next week and we won't talk until then. So hopefully well, you have a great time and congrats. It this is was not actually true. yesterday. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Congratulations. I got married yesterday on Zoom. So exciting. Wait, you got married on Zoom? Yes. Uh-huh. A guy who looked work? like Colonel Sanders. It was. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> he did look like Colonel Sanders, but he was Jewish. Um, well, so Colonel Sanders might be a Jew. We don't know this. True. We don't know. Yeah. With uh, with COVID, the mayor and uh, governor um, basically set up an online platform where you can get married over Zoom um, instead of like having a normal courthouse wedding. So. The whole process was digital. Um, yeah, Jason was there. It went. There. I was originally originally Brittany tried to get me to be the uh, officiate. So I, did. I am actually I'm a minister now. Um, that <laughs> took literally ten seconds, but wow. you need to jump through a whole lot more hoops to become legally able to marry people yes. in New York. Yes. So okay, um, it also cost money and. Well, so yeah, did, I don't know so why did this guy. This guy was, I Venmoed him a hundred bucks and then, uh, yeah, that was Technology. the fast. Yeah. That was like the easiest hundred dollars anyone's ever made. But wow. yeah, the thing lasted five minutes from start to finish. Like when the actual thing started, yeah. five minutes is probably an overestimate. Yeah. Anyway. It's just like, you want to do this? Yeah. You want to do this? Yeah. Yep. All right. It's done. I... <laughs> what kind yeah, of efficient was he? A Jewish guy who looked like Colonel Sanders. We explained this already. No, but I mean, like, is he a um, is he a rabbi? Is he a justice of the no? Is he yeah? So in New York, you just have to be registered. Like in Virginia, you have to actually be a pastor. But in New York, as long as you're licensed, you basically fill out an application. It's just like a bureaucratic kind of process. So in Virginia, you have to be a pastor to marry Mm -hmm. people. Well, then what happens to Jews? Well, there are no you, Jews in Virginia? You, not that many, but um, <laughs> you, I guess you can, like, you have to be, like, religiously affiliated is my point. So, like, my my wedding in Virginia was a humanist ceremony, but it was administered by a person who was a pastor. So, it, like, they didn't mention God, but they were a pastor. So, But they wanted to. <laughs> Probably. Damn it, they wanted to. Yes. They believed it. Like, we're not going to say who's looking at this thing, but we know. Anyway, highly recommend. Very efficient process. I hope that it stays around even after the pandemic because, yeah, I'm all for technology. So, Oh, John, we can uh, we can get married over Zoom and then you can bring me and then we can chain (laughs) migration to New Zealand. (laughs) We can just we can try to get on 90 Day Fiance and uh, just gin the whole thing up. Be great. That's true. How's the search going for me? Going still on, or is now it's that going. you guys have lifted all the restrictions and you don't yeah, have COVID? Yeah, you, you let me know when you'd like to find a nice Kiwi 
wife and you want to be on 90 Day Fiance. Those are the two. That's the requirement. You have to go on this show for me to do this for you. Look at the Great. curve. Look at the curve. I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> Look no, at the you're curve of COVID. I'm ready. Yeah, there is no curve in America. It's just a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a no, curve in New a York. Mountain, a mountain implies you go down the other side. Well, you've gone down a bit, but now you're going to go back up. It's a big mountain range. Large range. Yeah, I suppose. It's like, it's really upsetting. Like, they've really, uh, I tell you, a bunch of this country really fucked up the party for everybody else. Not going to say who, <laughs> but they know who they are. They know who they are. If only wearing a mask was cool. <laughs> Did it make you look like an asshole? But I maybe, love wearing a mask. Do you? Yes. It's like, it keeps my face warm. I'm usually cold. I like don't wear makeup anymore. My skin looks great. It's just, yeah, I like it. I felt the same way when it was cold out, but now that it's hot out, it's like really uncomfortable and I can't breathe and it's making me break out. And so I'm like pro masks in the fall, winter, and spring. (laughs) Anti-summer mask. Anti-summer. So you're, okay. so you're saying you don't you you don't want people to wear masks then? You're I do don't. want people to wear masks, but I it's just it's from a comfortability it. standpoint, it's really rough. But I bought one of those face shields, and oh, nice. uh, yeah, I haven't worn it out yet. Um, and I I don't know I don't know how I feel about how protective it is. I know in theory it blocks you know, more respiratory droplets, but that's from, I think, mostly from exiting. It feels like there's a lot of air underneath the thing that can get to your face that could be infected with virus. So it's not about, but it's not about the air coming to you. It's about the air going out. Right. It's it. You're not wearing the mask to protect yourself from other people. You're wearing the mask to protect other people from yourself. Right. That's the problematic part of this whole thing. It's like the people yeah. who don't wear masks aren't screwing themselves over. They're screwing everyone else over. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense. That's the American way. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. I don't Although, care. You know, they've done, I mean, there have been a, a whole variety of different studies with different outcomes about the efficacy of cloth masks, but at least one of them found that, Uh, In a room full of people wearing cloth masks, um, it was protecting both the wearer and the people around them. That, like, the rate of infection was lower for everyone. Yeah, there's something like uh, if you're wearing a mask and somebody else has it, there's a percentage drop. If Mm -hmm. you're wearing and then if the other person who has it is wearing a mask against it, there's a lower there's a deeper percentage drop and if you're both wearing a mask then it's greater than both of those drops yeah so there's something to it but at the end of the day that most of it comes from yeah go ahead it's also very interesting because i believe that was japan's method of of killing the virus right they didn't really lock down everyone just wore masks and jason me and you have traveled to japan enough to know that when people are sick in general they wear masks right so it's part of the culture of just going yeah you know you don't get other people sick by just wearing a mask and so Japan did not go into the massive lockdowns that even places like New Zealand did, right? Like just Western culture seems to have a real problem with wearing a mask where it seems like the reason why this doesn't have nearly the damaging effect that it's had on the U.S. and maybe Brazil is because Asian cultures are much more accepting to, yeah, when you're sick, you wear a mask. And so everyone just wore masks and it wasn't that big of a deal. Interestingly enough, they're like evaluating whether um, 
like the government should should pay social media influencers to like promote mask wearing <laughs> like within states um yeah. just because you know like like you said it's such it's not part of our culture here um get that dope branded ninja mask kim kardashian mask wearing action going on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that'll do it what would it look like what would a kim kardashian mask be like It'll what just be beige like her entire house. <laughs> have you seen pictures before yeah, and after pictures of their weird mansion that looks like it just looks like the set of like a futuristic horror movie? It's so weird. I need to look this up. I know. I was like, I have not seen pictures of that. Yeah, I've seen it. It's you very have odd. to just look up Kim Kardashian's house, and I'm sure you'll find it because it was like a big thing on social media, maybe like a year ago or something. It's exactly a year ago. Good lord, this picture, this dress she's in. Good lord, good god. <laughs> I'm looking at a BuzzFeed article. I'll send it to you guys. Okay, I was gonna say yeah, anything. that's probably exactly the thing that I'm thinking about because BuzzFeed is really the only. Thing that I would have seen something like we that. We found before, pic- before pictures of Kim and Kanye's house, and I can't believe what they've done. Yes, this is exactly From normal the rich person's house to creepy convent. Mm-hmm. That dress, though. Wow. Yes, that's hell? extreme. What is this? I don't understand. Oh, this is before. And then after. Oh, God. Yeah, okay. They basically just cleared everything out. It's like no rugs, nothing soft, just very harsh Sharp edge. What is this room of flowers? This is bizarre. Yeah, the green pumpkin thing. Why is that? That can't be. Why is that a thing? Yeah, they basically just cleared out everything. This is bizarre. The before and after of the hallway. It looks like their flooring is like poured concrete. It probably is. This is upsetting. Yeah, I don't know. How do you they know have small children in there? That's like all these surfaces for children to hurt themselves on. I get it. I know what this is for. You guys, stop looking at the small picture. They have transformed this house. This is the perfect house for wild sex parties because the way they've done everything, you can hose down every room. <laughs> I was going to say, easy to clean. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Nothing gets stuck to any rugs. No embarrassing stains. Nope. Just hose that down. Get your favorite mop and uh, and get to work. Yep. Solved it. Fixed it. Uh, All right, Jason, are you done stalling so you can come catch this whooping? <laughs> no, I, pa- pan- pancake update. Just got to give a pancake update here. <laughs> exactly. Um, Keep stalling. Go ahead. <laughs> this is it. This is the end. Uh, pancake update. I, for the first time, made pancakes without a recipe online. So I took my learnings. And I basically whipped up something that uh, just kind of improvising a little bit. Um, Used three types of flour because I had them. I have no other reason why. Um, and then Which the rest three of the, types? Uh, all purpose. Uh, it was a cup of all purpose, a half cup of rice flour, and a half cup of cake flour. Oh, huh. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the rice flour is what's used for to make like a mochi like that mochi style texture, a little bit chewy. And I thought, all right, I'll balance that out with cake flour, which just makes things fluffy, which mm-hmm. really all flour might be all purpose might be right between them, which like, well, what was the point? Why didn't just use two cups of all purpose? And I don't have an answer. I was just kind of winging it and I wanted to use it because I had it. Um, added a third cup of sugar, half teaspoon, half tablespoon of baking powder, one teaspoon, one teaspoon of vanilla extract, four tablespoons of melted butter, two eggs separated, of course. 
uh, add in the yolks, then whip up those whites into a meringue for later, add a little fluffiness to it. Used a cup and a half of oat milk. I wanted to use yogurt, but I didn't have any. So there you go. And a pinch of salt. And all that made a pretty tasty pancake. Colors were a little weird, but uh, pancake was solid. Was it fluffy? So my- Colors were weird. Yeah, it was fluffy. They didn't um they didn't cool down well. What happened was I usually make a bunch and keep them in a warm and keep them on warm in a in an oven and I had to stack them. So when they came off fresh and they were crispy and in the open, they were great. Um but they did uh, start to deflate. Mm-hmm. I made I've made worse, uh less fluffy pancakes. Um they could have been a little bit more fluffy, I'll give it that. If I had the yogurt, I would have added baking powder, uh baking soda as well. But because I didn't have anything to activate it, I couldn't. I couldn't use it. So there you Sounds go. Like These are my troubles. Learned a lot about baking science. Oh, well, it's funny you mentioned that. You know, when you're when you're in lockdown and you make pancakes once every <laughs> once or twice a week um, for about ten four months. <laughs> yeah, for, for three months, three months in a row. You uh, you know, you you tend to pick up a couple a thing or two. So there you go. I can now make pancakes. I don't need a recipe, but this is, it's not the worst ones I've made. It's not the best ones I've made, but you know what? I'm getting there. So now with that, we promised it last week, we're going to do a debate. Um, So we're going to flip things around here. We're going to, this, this whole thing falls under a reddish, bluish, blackish, Jewish. So that is probably going to be the bulk of this. Um, Arlen, as we mentioned, is going to moderate. So at this point, I will hand it over to her. She could explain the rules and we'll get into it. Go ahead, Arlen. Hey, I'm super excited. Um, Okay, so Brittany is going to be our judge and I will assist with judging because the two of us, um, having reviewed the overall topic, can see arguments for both sides. So we're pretty unbiased. We are going to try to use a more formal, like real debate structure for this. So we have an affirmative and an opposing side. John is obviously the affirmative side and Jason is the opposing side. And the topic, as we began talking about last week, is should U.S. citizens be legally barred from displaying the Confederate flag in any context, including on personal property? I included a couple of additional considerations, um, and those are legal precedent within the United States. That is, is this currently legal? And what are the possible repercussions of making it illegal? as well as legal precedent outside of the U.S., have other countries banned the display of symbols deemed as hate speech, and if so, in what context? So for the format of our debate, um, each speaker will get a set period of time. We've decided on five minutes to start and up to 10 minutes if they need more time. And each person will get to present their argument without being interrupted. And then we'll go for round two if we need to. We'll have rebuttals and closing arguments. And then we will talk about the debate afterward and questions. And pick the so may winner. I, may, I, may I ask a question? We're going to pick the winner, Brittany. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. I, I want to ask you a question. Now, often when I see debates... Um, if someone is mentioned explicitly, like if like if or when John attacks my character, I then have a chance to respond. Will that uh, will that be granted 
in the event that happens? Or can he just talk shit about me for five minutes? And then I then get to respond for five minutes. <laughs> Um, as the moderator, I'll make sure that we stay on topic. As I said, the topic is not about the character of either of you. The topic is about whether or not it should be legal to display the Confederate flag anywhere in the United States. Okay. So if I think you're going off topic, I'll jump in and try to redirect. But I don't think that that's going to be a problem because I know that you guys are mature adults and you've done your research and you're ready to have a debate, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I have uh, I have two years of model Congress under my belt. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, the first opening argument goes to the affirmative side and that is John. I'm setting my timer for five minutes. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. Starting the timer now. Alrighty. Thank you, moderator. Well, look, we've reached a turning point in American society with the modern-day lynchings of African-Americans under the, the disguise of justice and policing, the American public has recently began to evaluate the institutions and symbols that have specifically upheld Southern or white pride um, that some hold up in this country as part of our history. So while this might be currently legal, I'm going to explain four reasons of why there are grounds, first internationally and nationally, of why this can be deemed unconstitutional. So my first argument is that, yes, the Confederacy was unconstitutional. The second point that I'd like to make is that there is international precedent for symbols of unconstitutional acts to be banned. The third point is that the flag is in violation of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 that ensures non-hostile and non-discriminatory work environments and living environments for, for minorities. And the fourth point I'd like to make, which my opposing will try and make, is that the First Amendment doesn't necessarily protect against all acts of free speech. So the first point that I'd like to make is that the Civil War was unconstitutional. So there's two there's two specific legal documents that I'd like to point to. One is Texas v. White in 1869 that made it clear that individual states have no right to unilaterally succeed, which is what the Confederacy was. And also there's Shortridge v. Et al. Macon in 1867 that ruled that the Confederacy was not a legitimate government. So both of those points there prove that the Confederacy and the Confederate War wouldn't currently be deemed unconstitutional. You could not do the same thing that you did in the 1800s today. It would be deemed against the Constitution and therefore illegal. And so because of that, there are there is precedent, and I turn to Germany. So after World War II, there was a law that was passed. It was called the Criminal Code in Section 86A of the German law, which outlaws the use of symbols of unconstitutional organizations outside the context of art or science, research, or teaching. The law does not name the individual symbols to be outlawed, and there is no official exhaust exhaustive list. However, the law has primarily been used to outlaw Nazi and communist symbols. The law was adopted during the Cold War and notably affected the Communist Party of Germany, which was banned as unconstitutional in 1956, the Socialist Right Party, banned in 1952, and several small far-right parties. So there is precedence for this. So if we have an unconstitutional confederacy, there is precedent internationally with one of the most notorious groups of our lifetimes, which is the Nazi party. It is illegal. It is unconstitutional in Germany to display history as pride or history as in, oh, well, this is just part of our history. We need to display it. You can display it as art or research, but if you own any of these symbols, it is deemed unconstitutional and against the law. 
So that is the case that I'm making here, that the Confederacy and the Confederate Army of the United States is unconstitutional. And if we're going to follow the Constitution, we can look to Germany, which is a war that we fought against, and a group of people that we fought against, and say that if you can't display those items in Germany, we have no business being able to display them here in the U.S. So sure, you can dismiss international law and go, well, that's Germany, this is the United States. So this is probably where my argument differs, is that I'm not arguing that you can't own a Confederate flag and put it above your bed, right? Like, if you want to treat it like smoking and you want to kill yourself in your own house, that's that's got nothing to do with me. But I'm going to make the argument that having these symbols in public spaces, such as parks and vehicles and government municipalities or on your person, can be can be considered banned against the laws of harassment that are outlined in the civil in the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So I want to read this act for you. And yes, this mostly is on Title VII of the Civil Rights Act that has to do with employment. But I think that you can imply. What we spend most of our lives do, which is trying to find gainful employment and trying to stay employed, that you can imply you can imply the same harassment to our current law of how we spend our everyday lives. So Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 is a federal law that protects employees against discrimination based on certain specified characteristics, race, color, national origin, sex, and religion. Under Title VII, an employer may not discriminate with regard to any term, condition, or privilege of employment. Areas that may give rise to violations include recruiting, hiring, promoting, transferring, training, disciplining, discharging, assigning work, measuring performance, so on and so forth. And within this law, there is actually about creating a hostile work environment. And so if you're flying flags and symbols that are specifically built on the backs of slavery should stay legal in this country, you have automatically created a hostile work environment for minorities and people of color. Because the Confederacy fought on that sole fact, you can claim that there's other facts, but that is the number one fact of what differed the Union from the Confederate Army was the right to hold slaves and the right to keep slaves. And so you have automatically created a hostile environment, whether it's work environment, which is what the EEOC has all of these laws for, which is the equal employment um, organization in the United States. And so because of this, I'm going to say that this is why this should be banned is because the Confederate flag in its nature is hostile. That is what it is. It is called, it is nicknamed the rebel flag. Rebels are hostiles. And so there was a hostile group within the United States that was, that was ended in 1865. And so we have no business keeping this type of organization as part of our history in open public spaces. So I will wrap this up in closing and just saying that you can argue that your constitutional right to free speech from a document that was written at a time where African-Americans were considered three fifths of a human, of a human being should now be overruled by the moral obligations of a modern society. The Confederate symbols are not symbols of Southern pride, but they are symbols of slavery, lynching, treason, which is one of the most egregious crimes that you can create against our government. I yield whatever time I have left, which, much, which might not be much. Uh, yeah, you actually went uh, over five minutes. Um, so maybe like seven Apologies. minutes, which is great. No, no. It's, I'm a, uh, this is an hour. You, you, you get extra time. We're doing up to 10 minutes. So, um, great. And now we have the opposing arguments uh, from Jason. Are you ready to begin? Yeah, as ready as I'm ever going to be in the next few minutes, I guess. So here we go. Okay, I'm starting the timer now. All right. Um, I'm not here to argue whether somebody should wave the Confederate flag. Let me start right there. Uh, I'm... I'm 
debating whether someone should be allowed to. And that definitely comes with some stipulations. Um, So really, it, it is a free speech argument. That's the one I'm making here. And there's there's a few things about that. So if you start looking at free speech itself, free speech is incorruptible. If you look at it as all or nothing, if it has it all, it's completely incorruptible. Once you start deciding what can and cannot be limited, you open yourself up to losing something that you want because someone deems it indecent. We're at a point now where you can say, yes, the Confederate flag and the Nazi flag and plenty of others can be offensive and are offensive to a specific demographic and really to everybody. Like you said, you made a good point about them being traitors, of course, but that shouldn't necessarily restrict by law the ability for someone to raise it. So so when, when should it be legal um, on personal property, on your house, on your car? Um, I do agree there should not there should be legal stipulations if you raise it in a in a government building there is no business for that but to me that also is is more of a government controlled location versus the individual themselves furthermore if you're extending that to places of business well that also lends itself to another free speech argument where that extends to the right of that proprietor who owns that business themselves most businesses will not accept people to walk around in their in their place of work wearing a Nazi flag or a Confederate flag on their person. Uh, they would not want you to drive your car in their parking lot with a Confederate flag, and therefore they would deem it illegal. Granted, geographically, that could have uh, more uh, – it could be more acceptable than other places, but on a whole um, – it is uh, it, it is in our nature to be more self-regulatory based on the freedom of speech itself. So if so that will be basically judged by by the people in control of those areas. Um, when it comes to their own individual location, they'll also be ostracized by the by the community themselves. You're not going to be able to suppress how people feel. If they feel like they're white supremacists, if they feel like that, you're not going to be able to stop it. So by uh, by telling them not to wave a flag, you're still not really resolving the issue itself that the flag represents. Um, and you're opening up a slippery slope, which is where do you where does it end? Where does it start? Where does it stop? You start with the Confederate flag, of course, because that's our history. Okay, gotcha. Cool. So we're, we're going to ban the Confederate flag. All right, now what? We're going to ban the Nazi flag, right? Because we're not Nazis. We fought those guys in World War II. They lost. We're, they're they're anti-Semitic. That's an anti-Semitic uh, representation. So we got to get rid of that. Cool. Got it. Then what do we do? Well, now we've just opened up the laws to start banning things. Nothing in this country is currently banned by those laws. There's been There's precedent for that. In the uh, Brandenburg Brandenburg versus Ohio, which say which held up uh, that the government cannot punish inflammatory speech unless that speech is quote directed to inciting or producing imminent lawless action and is likely to incite or produce such action end quote. None of this when you're talking about waving symbols, nothing of that actually does inflict harm or lawless action directly. 
it represents the views that may represent those things, but it doesn't actually do so by it existing itself. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of my opening statement. I don't really have a <laughs> much more constructive okay, argument. Basically, you start. Am I at the end of my time? How much time do I have? Because I guess there's one more thing I could add. Uh, to that. You're at almost exactly five minutes. So you have a few more minutes if you would like them. Okay, so just anecdotally, you start with you start with Confederate flags. You end with you, you then go to Nazi flags. Then what do you go to? Well, recently they uh, the SPLC determined that Pepe the Frog is a is a symbol of hate. So then, can you not wave Pepe the Frog flags um, because that's a symbol of hate? So then you go to the next thing because there's always going to be something new that goes down the list, and then it really just opens up the Pandora's box. There are obviously these are extremes, but at what point do you start? What point do you stop? You look at how kind of interesting the system is that we have of Supreme Court and how you staff one judge, one person's opinion could sway the other. If you have a, if you have nine religious judges who now the door is open where it's like, yeah, well, we could start banning things because they're not in our interest. It, where does it end? Where does it end? I say, I yield my time, which I don't have cause I'm over. Okay. Um, so we can go for round two or we can move right into rebuttal and closing arguments. The two of you can decide. I heard a sigh, so I think John wants a rebuttal. Okay. Well, uh, no, again, I'm, I'm good to, to do round two or we, I can rebut some of the things that he said either, either way. Okay, so um, let's, let's do a second round. Um, John, I am starting your five minute timer now. Sure. So the, the the second round for me is the the slippery slope argument is always a fallacy, right? Because you can say that with anything, and I think what I'm going to point to is pornography, right? Because pornography, you would think, by the way that Jason described this, should be protected under First Amendment, right? Right? I should be able to to take a projector outside of my home and project pornography on my house, on my walls. It's my personal property. Where where does it end? First, it's, you know, it's pictures of, of you know, of what seems to be a regular act. And then it's it's hardcore that comes into, you know, sure, children and other people see this. And what where, where does it end? Why, why can't I do this? I mean, what, what's next? You're going to tell me that I can't, you know, I can't kiss my wife outside. The slippery slope fallacy is always a tough one. So I do want to look at pornography for a second. And specifically because two types of pornography receive no First Amendment protection and it's obscenity and child pornography. So the First Amendment generally protects pornography that does not fall into one of these two categories, at least for adult viewers. And I'm reading this from the Freedom Forum Institute, um, that sometimes material is classified as harmful to minors, even though adults have access to this material. So there's multiple court cases specifically over obscenity, because obscenity is one of the most controversial and confounding areas of the First Amendment law. When is something decided to be obscene? We've determined that in our law, that there are certain types of pornography that are obscene and certain types that aren't. Right. So can we not do the same thing here? We are very people are able to enjoy pornography if they're adults. And we also protect those who need to be protected from these images and these symbols. We do that perfectly fine with pornography. Some say that it's too hard. Some say that it's not hard enough. No pun intended. But that is indeed we're already doing this now. There's already precedent in our law to not just look at the First Amendment in its truest form, which is any free speech should be allowed because there's always a slippery slope. The second thing that I want to go over quickly is just hate crimes, right? So 
while displaying the Confederate flag might be seen as a symbol of hate, it's not directly a hate crime, right? So, like, hate itself is not a crime. So, um, I'm looking at the, I'm trying to remember the website that grabbed this from, but for the purposes of collecting statistics, the FBI has determined a hate crime as a criminal offense against a person or property motivated in a whole or in part by an offender's bias against race, religion, disability, sexual orientation, ethnicity, gender, or gender identity. Hate crimes, which can also encompass color or national origin, are overt acts that can include violence against a person's or property, violation of civil rights, conspiracy, or certain true threats or acts of intimidation. And I think that's the point that I want to take there, is that it's the act of intimidation. By displaying these symbols, you are openly trying to intimidate by saying, I have pride in this thing. I am going to wave this flag to let you know that I stand for these ideals, which lets you know the type of person that I am. I am one to not be trifled with or one to not be, um, you know, to be challenged on my views and opinions because I'm putting them out there for you. So because you have already created a hostile environment for this, this is no longer the lines of a slippery slope. It's very clear that these symbols are symbols of hostility in America. It's not just the symbol of, okay, Pepe the Frog, sure, you can make an ex- for meme, you can make an example that that's going too far, which is a fair argument to make. But I'm strictly talking about symbols of treason and rebellion against the United States government. That should not be an argument of whether or not this can be up for interpretation. It's in the law. It is un- it is it was an unconstitutional act for the South to succeed from the United States. That it's in the law. And so because we have deemed these things unconstitutional for a document that we're holding up that is a that is an amendment on that original 19 and 1776 document, to me it's very clear that you have complete grounds to ban this from personal and public spaces. Again, if you're inside of your house, it's fine, but you cannot, you should not be able to wave a Confederate flag in a neighborhood that is open to everyone who lives in that neighborhood. I yield my time. Okay. And uh, Jason, are you ready to present your round two arguments? Yeah. Yeah. I'm starting your timer now. So the neighborhood thing goes to again to the neighborhood rules itself. If you if you own your house, even if you own your house, typically you're subject to the rules of that community itself. So they they could also be self regulating, and you know enough complaints they get that thing taken down. But it, whether this should be in the rule of law is something else. What I, I do want to bring up though, when you said a a symbol of rebellion, that's it is uh, it, it very well is, and it's something that's outside of our doctrine, but so is flag burning itself. That That's also a symbol of rebellion. And that's also something that I would say is and should be illegal because that's also, I mean, that should be legal, not illegal, because <laughs> uh, that is a form of expression uh, in and of itself as well. Uh, again, assuming it's in a controlled place and you're not doing harm. And I think that's the that's the most uh, important part here is, is harm explicitly being uh, being committed because you mentioned a hate crime and intimidation, um, there are actual hate crimes. That is true. There are lynchings. Oh, there's lynches going on right now. There are uh, there are people getting beat up because of their color or because of their uh, or because of their uh, sexual orientation. This is these are all problems. And I think where does that? How far does that intimidation go? Cool. Um, if you want to say that waving a flag is enough to say that is a hate crime. Uh, I would disagree with that because, you know, you could you are showing your hate, but you're not committing a crime. And I don't think it should be a crime. If anything, you're you're making it very easy 
to spot who the racists are and who the people who hate are. It's like, great, I, I will never pay any mind to this person ever again. Um, if I if if that's what they want to do, that's where they stand. Well, that's that's their business. Uh, as long as they're not, it, it's that it's that line that says the the liberty to swing my arms uh, stops where your nose begins. Great, swing your arms, just don't hit me, please. Um, and and that's just uh, part of that should just be the way for discourse. Uh, so that's and as far as the pornography argument goes, I, I don't really. There are laws that. <laughs> There are certain laws and things that I think we could agree on as a society. Like, um, you know, that's actually a pretty good argument. So I don't really have too much to say about that. Um, but again, mo- usually in the case of that, you are explicitly doing harm um, with pornography, with, with indecent exposure and things like that. That is a direct disruption of our social norms as we've ever created them. There's nothing that a f- waving a flag does that disrupts the, the social the social norms themselves other than that guy's waving something that i disagree with and if that's the extent of something then so be it let it let it fly i i cannot support it but i i will begrudgingly uh allow it and i'll yield my time okay so now we can move on to rebuttal and closing arguments, unless you would like a round three. No, I don't think a round three is needed. I think we can just discuss it at this point. Okay. If that's fine so with you, you Jason. Call round two yeah. your closing arguments then, or would you like to make a quick closing argument um, now before we move on to discussion? I mean, I'm good. I'm good with that being my closing. If John wants to do any say anything else, I mean, I got I got the big uh, Liberty Ends line in there, so uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, look. I, I I mean, I go back to my closing argument of um, you know, like your your constitutional right to free speech is is also that it doesn't infringe on the the rights in the in the free speech of others, right? Like it doesn't actually infringe on my right to be darker skinned than somebody else where these symbols are very clearly telling you that this that this is what i believe in i believe that the south will rise again and that is a direct conflict of the constitutional amendment that you cannot hold slaves that you cannot discriminate from the civil rights act of you can't discriminate against women and minorities and people of color and so these symbols, they just don't, again, to me, it's very clear cut. Jason wants to make the semantic argument, but the semantic argument doesn't hold water in this case because it's very clear. I'm not asking that you ban all of these other random things. I'm literally saying this symbol that is a symbol of a rebellious government, it, again, by the law, shouldn't be, shouldn't be allowed. It's not allowed in Germany. It shouldn't be allowed here. So, Sorry, I have a question. Do, do you really think that? Like, are, do you think that when people wave the Confederate flag, they're doing so because they believe that the South will rise again? Absolutely. It's it's Southern pride. Um, when I lived in Georgia, that's, I didn't see African-Americans who live in the South. There's more African-Americans in the South than anywhere else in the country, I believe. And you don't see African-Americans flying the Confederate flag. It's all, always a very specific group of people and a very specific demographic of that area of the country. I haven't seen it. Um, and I lived in the South for a while. And yes, to me, it is a direct sign of white pride, Southern pride, heritage of the South will rise again. 
um, because the South is the greatest place on Earth. And what the South was was the greatest place on Earth. We are going to make the South great again. And that's what I am objecting to. And just strictly by looking at the law is that this shouldn't be allowed to exist. It's one thing if it's the if it's the tread on me flag, right? You can make an argument for that flag because like that flag has actually come up in the news as well during my research of uh, many African-Americans feel that the, the snake coiling around is um, is a symbol of the, you know, the Revolutionary War that is actually against African-Americans. I would say you have a, a better argument there versus a rebellious treasonous army that lost why are we waving that flag i don't i don't understand it moderator um all right so do you jason do you also want to make a closing statement because that felt sort of like a closing statement or do you want to just move into questions yeah i think that just by i mean the only thing i'll add on that is that by by bringing in the don't tread on me flag is very much the issue where once you set the precedent that something can be removed from free speech, then you're opening the door for anything to be removed from free speech. And that doesn't mean you're going to get away from that doesn't mean they're going to take away the ability to say, you know, everything, but it does mean anything. So that does put that don't tread on me on the, on the block, because once you say one thing, then you can say the other because you say, all right, yeah, well, Confederate flags, they got to go anti-American for sure. Well, then, well, we could do that. Why not Nazi flags? All right, great. Nazi flags. They're gone, too. We agree. That's good, too. And hey, let's go back to the don't tread on me thing. That seems like a good target as well. And then it does open that Pandora's box. And I think that's the um, that's the largest issue with with uh, all or nothing or selectively saying not that thing. Not that thing. It's the same reason we don't, I mean, we don't ban words either. It's the same thing. So why don't we move into having like a less formal discussion and Brittany and I can ask some more clarifying questions and then we will render our verdict eventually. Okay. Sure. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Um, Brittany, do you have so real? So real quick, can I quickly ask Jason the question? Absolutely. You keep saying that you keep saying that precedent hasn't been set, but it I mean I outline that with pornography. That's the perfect example where precedent has been set for free speech of you can't just display anything that you want. Like if we were in the purest forms of pre- free speech, then absolutely, then I get it, right? But we're already doing that. We've already done that for things that we deem indecent. So why is this not any different? Um it's different because I guess you're representative of the, of beliefs itself. You're not actually doing it. Like the problem with, yeah, I, I don't really have a strong rebuttal for that. I mean, that is the, it, I guess it is part of that do no harm thing in itself because yeah, I, I really don't have a, a great explanation for it. I, some of these things could, yeah, I got nothing. I, the more I talk, the more stupid I tell. <laughs> I would also like to add to that question, too. Um, I mean, Jason, in your arguments, you mentioned um, about burning the American flag being um, illegal. And so if that's a symbol of rebellion and that's why it's illegal, then you could apply that same precedent to displaying... Um, a treasonous flag of rebellion 
which is the Confederate flag. So it actually, it's not really being applied. um, It's not being applied in the same way to two things that supposedly um, symbolize the same kind of thing, um, which is rebelling against the, the government. And that's something to consider. Wait, it sounded like it sounded though like you were just saying the same thing I was saying. It's just they no, are the same thing. No, because the point is burning the American flag is currently illegal. It's not. Yes, it is, isn't it? No, no I don't think it is, actually. No, really? it's covered I under freedom of speech. Hang on. No, I think you're actually allowed to burn the American no. flag. Trump just came out a few uh like recently, he said it before, where he said it should be a crime to burn the American flag. Yeah. Because I thought it was so I'm also Googling it. Oh, okay. So it is protected by the First Amendment. Okay. So in that case, I, I, for some reason, I thought that it was illegal to do. No, it's Um, just interesting because they talk about it like it's illegal. They talk about it like it's a crime, right? And you burn the flag and everyone sort of generally agrees this is a bad idea. And I would say that the majority of the population agrees the same thing with the Confederate flag. So yes, while it's protected under free speech, there is sort of a moral obligation for the things that we uphold in this country that shouldn't be bound to a document that was written almost 350 years ago. So then, so John, also, I, you think that I'm burning s- the American flag should be illegal? If you're if you're saying that the Confederate flag is treasonous, wouldn't also burning the American flag be treasonous? Yes, I agree. I, I don't agree that you should be able to burn the American flag. If we're looking at directly at the letter of the law, if we are going to say that we are trying to build a government that, you know, says that treason and rebellion against the government in these ways, right? Because we're specifically looking at ways that are treason, not ways that are through the government and through the law. And I specifically look at what's going on now and say everything that you get told is, hey, the way that you actually make change is not by burning down cities and looting stores. You make change by government. So if you do want to rebel against the government, you do it not by waving a flag or by burning the flag. You do it by the laws that have been outlined by what everyone wants to always say is by the Constitution, right? So I would say that's that's my argument is that, sure, if you want to look at strictly at the letter of the law, there's actually precedent for us to look at the letter of the law and say, hey, this actually shouldn't be legal. Fair I'm seeing another um, U.S. code that says there is a penalty for knowingly desecrating the flag, but I can't find whether this is something that's been overturned or I'll have to do more digging. There should be any sort of discourse should be allowed, even if it's wrong discourse. Right. If you're not doing explicit harm, then discourse should always be welcome, even if it's because it's so wrong that it just shows to ridicule how wrong that stuff is. Is waving the flag discourse? Yeah. Is it? Sure. So what what are you discussing when you wave the flag? Oh, you're you're discussing something very stupid, but you're but you're basically saying, "Hey, don't forget about my you know bullshit uh, Southern pride uh, in a in a country that <laughs> existed for a few years to, for the purpose of in, of in, of enslaving people." Uh, 
like I said, it's not strong discourse. It's not it's not very quite valid, but it is discourse nonetheless. So to use your definition, that's a slippery slope on what discourse is. Me punching you the face is discourse. No, but that's crime. You, you've all of a sudden and, and, and that's my point that, you should make this a crime agreement. as well that, that's my argument is that why again, the fist that, doesn't punch not, my face it could be because it's not it's not useful discourse punching you in the face is not a, it's discourse it's not we're useful not arguing discourse. what the what the law is to define useful discourse I'm no just what saying, i'm saying though is that you are saying you're, you're basically making the line of is it a crime or not and i'm making the argument of you should be able to change what a crime is just because it's written today doesn't mean that you can't make things that aren't a crime today a crime tomorrow that's the way I the law agree. works. I agree with that. I agree with that. I So you can't use that argument of saying, oh, well, it's a crime, so you can't do it. If it's a crime tomorrow, do you immediately jump onto the other side and go, well, now it's a crime, so now I'm not going to do it? Because I don't believe that that's the way that law should work. It should be – because there's things that are crimes today that actually oh, shouldn't be crimes. Well, now we're talking about something else because all I, I was just talking about the – all I said was what's discourse. So to your to your original question, yes, punching somebody in the face is discourse. It's not productive discourse and it should not be allowed. But it's – freedom of speech is still freedom of speech. And the argument I'm making is that it should be covered by the freedom of speech. My My biggest takeaway from Jason's argument was that – displaying the flag is not harmful. It doesn't incite lawlessness. But I don't agree with that. (laughs) I mean, if you look at the culture, if you look at what has been happening, the more that display of the flag is the norm, the more that it does incite violence. Um, So I think it's just, if you believe that waving the flag isn't harmful, that's the basis of your argument for why it should be protected. But if you don't believe that, then it becomes, you know, a embodiment um, and, you know, kind of furthering of a quote cultural norm um, that, you know, probably shouldn't exist anymore. So. I also would agree with that. And I wanted to um, ask, uh, This is more, I mean, this is sort of a rhetorical question for us to think about, Um, because Jason, you've brought up um, the concept of doing harm and whether something, whether a symbol, um, displaying a symbol does harm or not. And I, I want us to think about what, how are we defining doing harm? And how, and how are we factoring in um, the psychological harm done by seeing symbols that, um, you know, send a very explicit message to a certain population, which is that you're not welcome. Can I, can I pose a hypothetical? Mm-hmm. Because after when Trump is no longer in office and we go back to a, to a majority, uh, democrats and, and Democrats get the majority of whatever happens. Should we also pose the um, pose the question of having a uh, "Make America Great Again" signs and that stuff being being deemed a hate symbol as well. Because based on your same argument, that is that is something that incites you know damage and stuff. Like think about all the um, think about all the uh, boy, what am I thinking of the uh, the immigrants who are who are at risk of deportation and all the harm he's been doing over over the last three and a half years at this point. I think that, what about that? 
Yeah, I think that case has a lot to do with whether we ever prosecute him for his clear crimes or not. Um, And to be clear, I think that even if we don't, he's still guilty of all of those things and should be prosecuted. But I think what would lead to interrogating whether um, Make America Great Again as a symbol or a slogan is... um, is hate speech or a hateful symbol um, would have a lot to do with how uh, this presidency is handled and this president is addressed following him leaving office. Um, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's harder to put it in the same category Um, For a number of reasons, I think the main one still is that the Confederate flag is a symbol of um, an uprising against the United States government, whereas Make America Great Again is uh, a symbol of from an acting president, unfortunately. And it's not just an uprising against the U.S. government. It's an unlawful uprising against the U.S. government. Because that's been documented. The Civil War was not a legal uprising. At the time it was, but afterwards they deemed that this was illegal given what's in our Constitution. So you're taking the symbol of an illegal uprising and you haven't banned that symbol as well as Germany has? Because Germany at the time, you could argue that the Nazi Party was not an illegal uprising. But as they then go through history after World War II, they realize, whoa, there were multiple war crimes and things committed of why we were in war in the first place. It should have never happened. And they immediately outright ban through their constitution to make these symbols and these things unconstitutional. So there's precedent. There's actual legal rule on this. That's um, precedent. And in there's and there's German. historical rule. Yeah, but again, it's it's precedent in Germany of a very similar act, which is an illegal uprising against the government. It's a very similar, there's similarities there. You, but to make law, you have to have precedent and there's precedent all over this. I have a question well, too oh, for you, ahead. John, um, about your research that you did on, um, on Germany and how they've handled this. Have they, how often have they added things to the sort of the category of, um, symbols that are banned for this reason so i'll go through and say the affected law according to the federal constitutional court in germany is that they have banned the solar cross which is a symbol of the klu klux klan they have um the sig rune which is used by the ss um a certain specific style of the celtic cross um that is a variant used by the white power movement the hail hitler greeting the sieg hail greeting um, the hammer and sickle, red star and red flag is also banned. Um, there's a there's a list of probably I'd say about twenty things that they've banned, and they all have something very in common, which is against white nationalism. Um, or in this case, again, the one is the hammer and sickle of the USSR. Um, so again, it's it's not like they're out here banning banning symbols that we would deem to be appropriate. I think you could look at this list and say every single one of these symbols, you would say, yeah, okay, that makes sense of why you would ban that. Um, so I think, you know, having the hypothetical of a slippery slope, Germany is a perfect example of how you can do this and how it works. 
Um, they haven't banned it from history. They haven't banned it from museums. They haven't banned it on things that are sort of specifically considered art or science for those contexts. They've banned it against people waving these things in, in public. They've banned it against putting it on your house. They've banned it against you drawing this symbol on a on the side of a door. Um, and again, to me, it's just not very hard because all of these things here are against Nazi Germany and white nationalism. And mm-hmm. those are things that we all agree on. The majority in America agree are things that we don't want America to be part of. Well, what about the the other thing that comes up here is new symbols that represent the same thing? Because like I said, these people aren't going away. So you'd say, okay, you can't display your, you can't have this flag. And they'll say, all right, well, we got a new symbol, right? Like how many of those things that, exi- how many of those things that Germany s- scratched off the list exist, that Germany went through and said, no, 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 existed after the Nazi flag because oh, we can't have the Nazi flag anymore. Well, all right, here's a new one. Well, now we got this again, one. So, all right, like, we'll get that this one. Then we get rid of that one. And again, I would say that that's that to me is not as harmful. And I, this probably goes to some of Brittany's point of you know maybe there's a lot of white people specifically who don't realize that right. They've been told this is Southern pride. They're not bad people. They're not racist. They wave the flag because they've been always told, hey, this is what you wave when you're from the South because you know yeah we live in the South and we've got pride for where we're from. Right. If you ban that, it adds context to what that is. Come up with a flag that actually does represent what you think it's supposed to represent. I'm all cool for you representing Atlanta, representing Georgia, representing Mississippi. I get it. Right. Like represent where you're from, but don't do it under a flag that's from a treasonous unlawful Mississippi. uprising Mississippi has government. that flag in yeah, the flag. and look Georgia Georgia had that flag too right I moved That's to Georgia uh... I moved to Georgia at the end of 2003 right as they changed the flag when they removed the confederate symbol from their flag I was in Georgia 3 months after that happened and that's a perfect example of like, yeah, you can wave the Georgia flag. You can wave the Georgia Bulldog flag because you love Georgia University. Georgia University doesn't stand for an unlawful uprising against the government. The Confederate flag does. And so, again, you keep making the slippery slope argument. I'm not talking about everything else. I'm talking about this specific flag. That is the argument. And this flag has all sorts of grounds and precedent internationally and nationally for it not to exist anymore. Come up with a new flag. Cool. And if you want to burn down a church or burn a cross in my yard and wave that flag around, then I have the right to deem that that, again, is a symbol of white nationalism and hatred. But if you make a flag and you want to wave it around a football game because you're, you know, you're from the South, you're a good old Southern boy, and that's what you do, then so be it. I'm not going to stop you from doing that. And I want to add also that, um, you know, Jason saying that, um, you know, if you ban certain symbols, uh, those groups will just come up with new symbols. And that's definitely true. But I think the more that those symbols are deemed unacceptable by a greater group in a society, um, the more they're going to lose their power. You know, saying as a, a group, as a nation, we don't we don't accept this and we don't support what this symbol um, represents. Uh, it sends a message even to people who hold those beliefs. And the hope is that the more you reject those symbols and what they stand for, the more progress you make toward understanding that those things are, are bad and not something that we want to be part of our society. And instead, if you allow them to proliferate, um, you're kind of sending the message that, you know, it's, it's okay. 
Well, I, yeah, I, I, and in a way, I guess that's the point, right? Like they, well, not really, I suppose that's the kind of thing that would be, that should be regulated at the, at the community level at that point. Like, I don't think it, and maybe the problem is that there is a, a, it's too prolific at this point in certain pockets of the country. Um, and also, but I don't think, but here's, here's the thing. I don't think making that illegal is going to, that's not going to change how these people think and what they actually believe when they're flying that flag. No, which, but which it, again, but which isn't the point. That's not the argument that we're making, but sorry, Brittany, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's like, if you, if you change the cultural norm, then it's no longer acceptable, even if it's not legal. So th- think about like the Nazi symbol, like you, ever, the society thinks you're a crazy person if you would walk around with anything with a, a Nazi symbol on it, right? A swastika. Right. Like we mm-hmm. have to do the same thing for the Confederate flag and it has to start somewhere. And whether or not it's legal um, or illegal to display it, um, I think when institutions start saying, hey, it's illegal in these spaces, that's when the momentum will start for for that kind of change. Absolutely. And I also just want to point out that relying on community level regulation for um, symbols, basically symbols of exclusion, which is what we're talking about. Um, that actually all that's going to do is lead to segregation because then you're going to say, okay, well, you know, it's, it's down to individual communities to say whether, um, you know, what symbols they accept in their community. Well, that means that, um, you know, all the white supremacists are going to, uh, congregate together. And yes, you can argue that that's already happening. Um, but I think that just makes it worse and more concentrated if, you know, individual communities are left to their own devices to figure those things out. I think, I think it comes down to a cultural shift. When I say community, I don't mean like those smaller, tighter community. It's also the, the cultural shift of how mm-hmm. things change as well and how we get to where we are now. And we are making progress. We're in a much better spot than we were a hundred years ago, uh, I, I'd argue. And nothing's obviously things are still broken. You know, the protests are making that point very loud and clear. And that much is obvious. But at the same time, there is going to be that cultural shift that makes that that deems unacceptable things unacceptable. And Banning a flag is not going to all of a sudden change the way that people think about that. Okay, you can't wave your flag. Well, now I'm mad. <laughs> now now I have my Southern pride and I'm mad that I can't show that thing. It's like, all right, well, you'll get over it. You don't have that flag anymore. It's, like, it's also about uh, teaching that population, though, that um, the Confederate flag doesn't only symbolize Southern pride. And, you know, I'm I guess there are some people who might think that, but um, it's important for everyone who uses that symbol to come to terms with all of the things that it means um, and then reconsider whether they agree with all of those things. And I think saying, hey, this symbol isn't okay to display in public um, is going to force a lot of people to learn um, more about if they don't already know 
you know, to, to think harder about it. Um, and it kind of also goes back to what I was talking about last week about what, if a population says that something that you're saying is doing them harm, um, it's important to listen to that. So, you know, I mean, I think forever, um, black people in the United States and other minorities as well have been saying, Hey, uh, the Confederate flag seeing it does me harm because of what it means in the history of this country. Um, and you know, that's a big portion of our population and it's important for us to actually interrogate how that harm is being done and whether we're okay with allowing harm to be done in that way. But then that goes to when you, I get it. And I think that and combined with the point about the treasonous uh, uprising and leaving of the nation, that whole thing that makes sense. But if you're just looking at the point of, oh, we have to look at people who are basically feeling harm from the uh, from the symbol itself, that does open up the slippery slope and opens up to any symbol that can be construed as hate, whether it is or is not then that is on the block once you, but you have to start somewhere to put that thing on the block to begin with. But again, I I keep making this argument because I just say that there's, there's precedent and there's law that says that this is, again, you can keep bringing other symbols up. Those those other symbols don't have, you know, laws and precedents, other places. Pepe the frog does not have some, does not have laws and precedent other places, but the Confederate flag has a direct correlation to things that do. And it actually does in this country. So to me, the argument is very clear cut that you just don't want to address the law the way that it is because you can keep adding new symbols and new things. And what if all of a sudden someone's offended by the peace sign, right? Like You can just keep doing this round around argument, but none of those things have precedent and law around them. And this one does. And ultimately, you could write legislation that's very specific and just says this specific symbol with this specific history in this specific country, we don't want it anymore. And that really closes off that ruling to make it a lot harder to use it um, in future court cases and legislation to ban other things. Um, You know, I think a lot of laws in this country are kind of broad, but it's possible to make it more specific. And look, let's be clear. The, the, this Confederacy boom of the Confederate flag didn't happen in 1865. This happened in 1950. Let's not act like this has been a flag that's been waved around since the day after the Confederacy ended, everyone was still driving around Mississippi waving this flag. This is this is this is recent history within the the 20th century. This didn't happen in the 19th century after the Civil War ended. This happened after that. And so let's not act like this is just a holdover from the Civil War and we just forgot about it. This wasn't a problem. So they didn't write a law about it because it didn't become a problem until Lincoln was long dead. If they still wanted to wave the flag, you would have banned it. So then to Jason's point, isn't Make America Great Again a modern form of that like rebirth of, of thinking? Because that's what it represents, right? Like, oh, let's make America great again, back like it was in the 50s, you know, when things were segregated. Yep. But again, I would say that right now, the Make America Great Again, to Arlen's point, unless, you know, the leader of this movement is tried for treason and all these other things, it's not a representation of treason yet. 
if it becomes a representation, then great. But the, the Confederate flag is defined by these two acts, by these two laws, that it is unconstitutional what they did. And so right now what Trump has done has not been deemed unconstitutional yet. If that happens, then absolutely, I'm in the same boat. But right now, it's a silly hat from a silly man where the Confederate flag was not. That was a war. There were thousands and millions of people who died from the Civil War. I'm not going to say millions, even though I don't think there were millions of people. Um, But there were lots of people who died from the Civil War on both sides because of treason. So there's not really an argument against that. No one yet has died to the level that the Civil War has by wearing a Make America Great Again hat. Yeah. Should we render a verdict? I lost. (laughs) (laughs) You're not a judge, and you can't say Uh, that. (laughs) I'm just predicting. (laughs) Or we can make everyone happy and ban... Uh, the display of a Confederate flag and the burning of the American flag, and that is a perfect compromise. Mm. Well, you're banning both of them. To be? <laughs> um, well, I'm always going to go with the person who's most prepared. So, John. That was John. Oh, 100. percent no doubt about that. Same. If we're if we're going purely off of you know how you judge a debate, who had the the better uh, formulated argument and who did more research, John definitely won. Um, as far as personal opinions go, I think if we are, if we were able to make it a law that was specific enough that it couldn't be used to ban other things on a whim later, um, then I would say a hundred percent, we should ban the Confederate flag. I'm going to say, Jason, that I think I got you when I, I, I threw my ace out there, which was pornography. Yeah, You didn't have an answer true. for that at all. I and didn't. That I don't. Is I, the I, one that, you're, you're like, it, nudity it, is yeah. against cultural norms. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I was like, he's got you now. <laughs> yeah, that did. That threw me for a loop. I didn't see that coming. And I, um, I did for a moment actually look up why that, like what point that did become illegal and like what part about it. And like, I I remember like that there was that distinct thing where it was like I know it when I see it. With yeah, like what, and that's look pornography is very difficult, and that's yeah. why it's a great it's a great argument for this is because it's it's again they've been arguing this thing since the '60s because like yeah like um where, where is this uh Judge Potter Stewart in 1964 said uh, you know I know it when I see it I, I think no. No, sorry. It's a. Uh, there's a bunch of. I've got this giant article about pornography and obscenity. Yeah, I just remember that Amendment. quote. But and it's like, thing- yeah. So it's like, it's hard to like again. That's a perfect example of something that we've tried to put First Amendment limitations to. And you'd argue some people say it's not hard enough. Some people say it's not. It doesn't go. For, you know, like there's so many like my, middle my grounds. Arguments that is this thing, so. where the thing with pornography, though, it, it's interesting. I should have brought this up because I, I guess I was thinking about your. Um, I, I I was uh, I was thinking about your argument from a like oh if I was to display pornography outside my house like project it that's what you said right yeah but if absolutely. you looked at but if you look at actual like the censorship rules on pornography and like how they exist in the like on TV for example right like there's obscenity laws that apply to that I'd be like wait a minute we got some weird shit like yeah, I, I look, actually man, have strong it's... disagreements with the rules that are against 
pornography, but yet we are perfectly okay with the most violent shit you could possibly put out there. You you throw you cut somebody's head off, you gut them, you put that stuff out there. R rating, maybe we'll put it on at like ten o'clock at night, whatever. But the second you show penetration, which is legal to do. Rated X. We're not showing it. Never on TV. You got to pay extra for that shit. And we're going to tuck that away. No one can ever talk about it. That's it's just completely confounding to me. Mm. And and profanity as well to that point falls into the same category. Yeah. Look, so, it's confusing. And like, yeah, look, I mean, I did a lot of research on this, like a lot as in a couple of hours, at least. And especially in New Zealand, like I sort of started in New Zealand. It's very interesting because New Zealand has very similar laws that it's like you can't publish or distribute. But, you know, waving flags and things are pretty protected right underneath free speech. Um, it depends on country. The UK has similar. Like, again, these laws are all over the place in these different countries. Germany's obviously gone very hard on their end by saying, OK, we've got the Nazi sign. Don't, you cannot display this. Um, but it's all over the board um so look i found this to be a very interesting argument i learned a ton actually um about like what actually is covered by free speech versus hate speech in different countries because it's it's very interesting a lot of it just depends on their history of who deems their history more offensive or they're more ashamed of it than others um so it really does depend um so yeah to that into that point america is not ashamed of its history so yeah it really isn't yeah. yeah it's interesting it's interesting yeah, where germany it with is open arms yeah. <laughs> yeah where germany is deeply ashamed of what happened in world war ii and it shows it shows all over their laws after world war ii and do again think, i'm guessing do you that think it's the, because yeah. it, it happened like more recently uh I, I think the nuremberg trials has a ton to do with that as well um because yeah like you don't find much stuff on japan for this and it's mostly because japan and germany took very different approaches to saying i'm sorry Japan just sort of said, yeah, have all of our stuff and we're going to go into a hole and don't talk to us for a while. And Germany kind of did the opposite. And then they sort of got split with the Cold War stuff. And then after the Berlin Wall fell, like it's just very interesting looking at Germans history in comparison to our own. Yeah, the closest Um, analogy for Germany and us would be the hammer and sickle more so than the Nazi flag, because the Nazi flag was was across the entire country. The hammer and sickle was half the country. But that wasn't really their choice, so it's not the best analogy. No, it's not. But there, yeah, there wasn't similar. really this kind of civil war thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's something back in France that that could be drawn. I don't know. French what, Revolution. Has, yeah. Again, look. This is, has cover if, this. Look, if anyone's actually interested after we've listened to this podcast, actually had this discussion, I do actually think you should go research some of this, even just an hour, right? Because it's super interesting on how. You know, the free speech thing is really it's it's a catch all and people want to wave the amendments around from the Constitution, but it's pretty nuanced. It's nuanced. And there's all sorts of legislation that have sort of started to break up some of what's considered free speech, um, which I think is going to keep happening. This is why we've got to really look at a document that I mean, that amendment was the first amendment put in and it was like, what, like 30 years after 1776? I mean, we're looking at some really old laws here. The world has changed a lot. And it shows by doing the research of this and realizing like, yeah, we've come a long way from some old document that some dude wrote with a with a quail tip pen. We should go back to those, mm-hmm. though, because they were dope. <laughs> <laughs> Much more environmentally friendly. Are they? But you have to kill a quail. Yeah, but... Or- Plastic pens, you can't reuse them, so they just go in the trash. Would vegans use quilted uh, pens? Hardcore vegans, no. Anything with an animal product, no. But casual vegans, maybe. Casual vegans, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> cool. 
All right, well, well that was fun. I appreciate it, and yeah, I, I personally, I, I like that format. It's like it actually made me come informed to a podcast. For once. Yeah, good yeah, job. And I, I looked up some stuff. I I apologize. I was not as prepared as I should have been. John, you're you're a wonderful debater. I enjoyed my time, even though I uh, was out of my element. I the only thing I really had was freedom of speech. Rah 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 rah, and. Uh, the the points about Germany and all the other things like, but we're not Germany. So uh, I didn't say that. Instead, I just ignored them, hoping that that point because <laughs> <laughs> I did find in my I did look some stuff up as well. I just didn't formulate the argument that strong. But I did see that there are like limits in Canada as well. Canada has some restrictions on some speech as well on some uh, symbols that can be waived. And whatnot. most first world countries in modern society do. And it makes yeah. you really wonder where is America when it comes to like, yeah, look, we understand, but for the greater good of the community, we have to make different laws. Like I understand that you want to have this catch all for everything, but we're supposed to be sort of higher level of beings at this point. And we're going to still look at a document from when we didn't have electricity. That's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> Why is, I mean, we still we still read the Bible. Boom. Take that. Take that. Jesus. <laughs> oh, um, <boy. laughs> all right. <laughs> Should we uh, any any closing thoughts before we move on? Maybe we go to some uh, media therapy to, to round this thing out. A palate yeah. cleanser. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Media therapy. So, uh, yeah, Brittany, Arlen, if one of you can start. What do you got? What have you been watching? What have you seen? What have you done? What have you played? You haven't played shit. What have you watched? <laughs> I actually have been playing a game, and ironically, it is a Harry Potter game, given our conversation last week. Um, so you I hate have, trans people. I have no idea what kind of money J.K. Rowling gets from it, because it's like she didn't produce it, so I'm sure it's just royalties of some kind. Um, but it's called Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery. And basically you are a student in, um, at Hogwarts. Uh, and it's like, it takes place after the first wizarding war. So like after Harry Potter is born and his parents are murdered, but before he's old enough to go to Hogwarts, like that's the time period that you're there. Huh? So no, no, no Voldemort. Um, it's a, it's an iPhone game. I mean, I, I, you can also play it on Android. Um, and no, Voldemort does exist in like in the story, obviously. Cause he, you know, he, it starts out. Don't you know the whole backstory? I saw the movies. I thought like, yeah, he killed them. And then, uh, they, he kind of disappeared a little bit. Right. Yeah, he and then he comes back. Bit, but the idea is like all the evil, like death eater people are still like, you know, doing stuff in the background and then it all comes to a head once like, you know, Harry Potter is um, old enough to be in school and then like the, you know, second Wizarding War happens. Anyway, um, it's pretty cute. It moves like, I guess, kind of slowly because there are, you start out as a first year and it, it has like seven years worth of content and it's not like done yet. Um and I've definitely fallen down the rabbit hole of like, there's a whole Reddit community about this. So oh boy. <laughs> there are oh lots boy. of side quests and like some of them are timed and everyone's on Reddit. Like, how do I win this thing and that thing from this side quest the right way? So if you really want to waste time, um, it's, there's that's one way to do it. 
that game had a lot of controversy when it came out because of the microtransaction structure, because it's very much like a story driven thing. And then they'll make you do something and it costs some sort of currency, which or energy, there's an energy meter, and they'll basically stop you at times when like, like someone will be stuck in a trap. And the only way to get out of it is to use the energy, but you'll be out of energy. So it's like, all right, well, give us money or wait an hour and then you could get out of the trap. Right? <laughs> Yeah, but there's no repercussions for waiting for your energy bar to fill up again, but it does fill up really slowly. There's like a million different ways that they try to convince you to spend money, but there's also like 20 different types of currency in the game too, and they're all used for different things, and you can win them like in different ways and at dramatically different rates. So it's like that part of it is really overwhelming. And especially as someone who like doesn't play computer games, I, especially at the beginning, I was kind of like, this is, this is a lot. (laughs) Um, But most of it isn't super time-based or if it is, it takes place over like several days, not like a few hours. So, you know, you can kind of just like, dabble with it and then like leave it for a while and it doesn't really matter i won't but uh there you go yeah nope too big of a commitment for me yeah um jump in you got you got an eight hour drive down are you driving or we are yeah uh, we're driving uh open to who's driving oh me of course oh all right yeah um Yeah, open to podcast recommendations other than obviously this one. He's abroad. Yeah, (laughs) got to do that. Um, Last night we watched The Princess and the Frog in honor of the news that Disney is retheming the Splash Mountain rides uh, from Song of the South. This is very keeping in the theme of this podcast from Song of the South to uh, The Princess and the Frog. So we wanted to refresh our memories about that movie. I had no idea Splash Mountain was based on Song of the South until I read that article. Yes. Yeah. And my response was, cool. It's fine. No, no, no issue with it. Well, yes. So, I mean, that could be its own debate topic in and of itself for, <laughs> for, for Disney fans. But, um, yeah. You, you have an issue? You got beef? Is uh, you versus John next? Is, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't have any strong feelings on Splash Mountain. Oh, you don't? <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. No. No. Well, Brittany, do you? Now I'm curious. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because I grew up being read, you know, Br'er Fox and Br'er Rabbit stories in elementary school growing up. Um, And, you know, obviously being a Disney fan as well, like enjoy Splash Mountain as a ride. Uh, You know, the song, like the Zippy Doodah song, like evokes happy memories of Disney. And I don't connect it at all with like, Song of the South. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I think that the beauty of the Disney parks is that they're always changing and always evolving. So I'm not opposed to the retheming because um, I think it's just more modern and that will be, you know, the younger generation's new experience. But, yeah. And enjoy it before it's all Star Wars and Marvel. Hey, that stuff's pretty Ooh. cool, though. It is. Real quick um, before we end, I want yeah. Brittany's opinions on I-95. Is, Driving? Is Virginia through I-95, is that oh, yeah. the most likely place that you're going to get pulled over if you go like a mile over the speed limit? Oh, I don't normally drive down 95. I normally drive down 81. So Look at that. She knows. 
Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Is it true? But 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 if you were to drive Yeah, I think down we're gonna road. have to tomorrow. Um but we don't speed. We're not speeders. So <laughs> Yeah. Even by one mile per hour, huh? No, I, I personally put the cruise control on and then just kind of... Cruise control locked at the speed limit? Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe a little bit over, no more than five over. And then Ryan doesn't like the cruise control, but he also doesn't speed. So I'll do the same thing with the cruise control. Um, yeah, good stuff. Uh, all right. Well, at this point, I'm going to cut over and John and I are going to talk about The Last of Us Part 2 for 19 minutes. Little sidebar here. Let's talk about some Last of Us Part Two without Brittany and Arlen. Where do you want to start? Now that we have finished our heated debate that we haven't had yet. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking to each other after this point. Uh, at this, yeah, at this, this is, is where recorded, the podcast ends. This is yeah, we're recording before the great debate happens. Um, but so at this point in time, when you hear this, we might have already called off the podcast and our friendship. And uh, I might be wearing my MAGA hat. Uh, But at this moment in time, we are quite civil. Yes. And we want to talk about a a video game with you. Yeah, which again, this is one of the first... Again, I don't play many long-form games like this. But The Last of Us is one of the games that I've played. I mean, look, Naughty Dog creates good games. There's no other way to put it. They create good stories. It's not so much even... Jack and Daxter. Great story. Yeah. it's It's not even so much the gameplay... As it is, it's a cinematic that has gameplay in it, is the way that I describe this. I mean, Uncharted is the same way, right? You could turn Uncharted into a movie. So what's interesting is you said that to me yesterday, and I didn't want to respond because I I disagree. I know you disagree. Yeah. Because if this was, if you were to say that to me before the game came out, I'd be like, yeah, that's that's basically what this is going to be. But what surprised me most about the game so far is actually how strong of a game it is like it's more of a game than i could have possibly imagined and way more open way more vast way more dynamic in its combat scenarios its exploration than i could have than i would have expected especially based on the first one which felt more tight and confined and more like going down a corridor and uh and this one while very much is a linear game it's not open world everything just feels so much open. There's always something to explore. You don't just go from point A to point B. You have all these little different branches that you can go off and do. There's trading cards you collect along the way. There's little collectibles that you find. You find pills to upgrade and and, and materials and find workbenches and things like that. Like I, I wasn't expecting it to be as gamey as it is, and I'm actually really grateful. And that's probably the best thing I could say about the game is that they actually treated this as a game and a and this kind of narrative driven experience versus what you're saying, which I I was expecting, which was this is a narrative experience. And yeah, you play a little bit here and there. It's it's funny though, because I think this is probably where we just disagree. I, I enjoy Possibly, the game, yeah. but I, I don't play this game for the game. I play it because I'm interested in the story. Um, especially in the point of the game where I am now, where the story is very interesting. Sure, the gameplay and stuff is fine, and there's a few quirks in it that I find a little cumbersome as a game. It's not as fluid as a game. Um, some of the stealth things, again, it's it's fine. It's just not like I can just tell that they're not necessarily thinking about gameplay first. I think they did, they've done a good job with it, but it's very clear that when someone sits down to make this game, the first thing they do is write the story. Yeah. 
Oh, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. So so again, I think we're I think we're agreeing, but at the same time it's just, yes, it, there's a ton of gameplay in it. Like you said, the crafting, um the diff- again, you can go through this game guns blazing, which would be very hard because you don't have much ammo, or you can go yes, through this game yes. without shooting a single shot for the most part. I probably disagree because there are some points where you don't have a choice. Yeah, but I it's one of those games that if you wanted to play it again, you'd probably say, "Okay, I'm going to use I'm going to try to not fire a single shot and do all of this through stealth tactics." It's 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 again you're right it's it is a game it's more of a game than the first one would you agree with that yeah i i think that it's a better game than the first one that's what it like if i'm not talking about sure. the story agree. it's a better game than the first one the first one i just remember a lot of these find the ladder put the ladder up um, yeah. bring the plank over so because she can't i swim, think the first one had more on. puzzles where this one has a bit more game like there there are puzzles in it yeah. but the puzzles aren't very hard What's hard to me is sort of... The original had very rudimentary, get this thing over to that thing, you know? Like, this is everything to the game is true to the experience. It's not... You never really break the immersion, even if you're doing game-like things, and you always have more things to do. Uh, The combat is more dynamic. Uh, You're you're a lot more agile. You could jump. You couldn't jump in the first one. Um, There's just so much more variety, and, and I feel in control of every situation versus you know that I, that I don't remember feeling in the first one um so it it really feels fluid it actually i i get uh hints of a like a metal gear solid 5 when i'm playing this game i don't i don't think it's as tight as that cuz that if you haven't played that that game is unbelievable when it comes to its combat and its nuance to gameplay but uh you have a similar feel in the and these little arenas that they crafted can really get pretty uh pretty interesting in the distance they cover because it's not just you know oh you got you're locked in this hallway and there's a couple of guys down there it's like no you usually get funneled into these kind of large arenas which can be this open field and multiple buildings and a and an, and some alleyways and and the and you'll often find yourself after a fight exploring that thing which I usually do and find areas where it's like oh I could have gone there I could have done this like Combat could really take you anywhere in these areas, and it's really cool what they did. And I, and it's interesting that most of the conversation around the game ends up talking about the narrative because I'm just really impressed by the game itself in that regard. Yeah, again, I I've really enjoyed it. I found it a little. I don't I don't know whether or not this is just me getting old. I find that there are parts of it that are difficult. The controls are a little clunky. Again, I think that Um, that personally for me is what some of the frustration is, is that you've got a lot of, I think it's maybe a little too much, especially for for a survivor game. As you get deeper into the game, you've got a lot of options of things to use. You can craft Molotov cocktails and trap mines and pipe bombs and all this stuff, right? So you have the option of crafting all of these things. And I find it a little like it's a bit of, a little bit too much. You end up like when you get in real tough spots, it's hard to maneuver out of it. Um, yes, yeah, and I just yeah. find that like that's yeah, that's easily. my personal yeah. that's my personal just like hey, this is why well, I wouldn't necessarily give this game. This is a perfect game. You know, this game is the greatest game ever created because I find some of the controls a little clunky. Um, but but with that being said, I personally forgive that because of the story and. Um, for those who haven't played the first game, I one recommend that you do. Yes, um, 100%. because the story in the first game to me is it's a lot more straightforward. And funny enough, it's not as adult as this game is, which is weird to say because this game is super violent. Yeah, yeah, like, I don't. The first one, anytime someone got killed, and be it a 
story in game event or if it's in the gameplay hell even when you die it was it was it always cuts away yeah this is very gratuitous are, are like, these games rated the same were they was this game because the first mature. game came out in 2014 they're right they're both yeah mature. they're both mature rated. where this game to me seems much much more mature especially some of the stuff that i played last night it's it's yeah. at a different you can tell that it's just a different like one game is about a guy who's a smuggler whose job is to escort a child. That's the game, right? So at the beginning of the game, there's a big event that happens in his life. And then he is given this task with, hey, here's this package, this person that you need to take from point A to point B. And that is the story. You basically travel through America to get, you know, to get this child to where they're supposed to be going. This game is a lot more complicated than that. And I don't want to spoil any of it because I think if I say anything, it sort of spoils the first game too. But it, it's com- it's complicated from all different sides. There is no right. There is no wrong. It's very, again, as, as you get deeper into the game where you first have this very visceral reaction to the big event that kicks off the game, that starts to change because then it's sort of the sides change. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. This, the other side has its reason as well. And it's just, again, it's more adult. It's more, hey, there is no right or wrong. This is the life in this world, in this very screwed up, you know, post-apocalyptic world, um, which I personally enjoy. It's just more adult. It's more of an adult game. Yeah. Uh, So my thoughts on the actually narrative part. So if you just take the gameplay in a vacuum, I really, I think this game's great. Like, I really, really like it. Um, With the... As someone who does not like horror <laughs> and gore and that kind of things, um, this is this is a tr- this is a tough game to play through. I'm not gonna lie. Like when I'm actually playing the game, even when I'm playing the game, because of the gratuity of the of the kills and all that, it's not like they really strive for realism and they achieve it, and not just in a way of this looks great from a graphical fidelity standpoint, but like no, there is weight when you kill somebody. Like it is. It is really rough. It is it, it is like painful. So that that combined with the the graphic violence, um, and I don't want to. I'm not going to spoil anything. But the when it when a game gives you agency to do one thing or another, and then it kind of takes it away at other points. There could be a lack of consistency. That's a little weird. Um, I, I think they do, unfortunately, hit the the video game trope thing of okay, well, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna completely mow through about twenty guys, kill them all, get to the trigger a cutscene, at which point I'm gonna think about killing this person next. You know, yeah. like there, there's a bit of that. Uh, but there's also some of the things that it makes you do in the game that I've seen and I, and I, and, and it, and they just force you to do it. it and some things are done via, via interactivity where it's like, press this button to make this character do this horrible thing. Yeah. And then the other time it's just like, no, you're going to watch this character do this horrible thing. And it's like, well, pick one. And for me, like what, what's most troublesome as someone who does not usually engage in the genre and stuff is, is for content like that. And because while I could play the game without problem, I am most tense during these cutscenes, and it like makes me dread the next story beat that's going to happen. Because I'm like, what kind of horrific shit is going to throw me next? That's funny because that's not where I'm most tense in this game. I'm most tense in this game when you're crawling through a tight spot, and you know something's going to jump at you. 
See, that's that's where I I don't usually get that tense because I know I'm going to have the tools to um, change whatever happens next. Whereas once you take those controls off, I'm at the mercy of whatever you're going to show me and whatever you're going to do to me. You know? Yeah, that's, I think that, that's, that's, that's interesting because I find the, the need of control doesn't help me in that fact. <laughs> I find like, okay, if I'm going to watch it, it's part of the story versus like, okay, I'm crawling through this tight space and it's getting dark. And I'm crawling, and something's going to jump out at me and start screaming at me. And this is going to you know be, that's like, going to happen. I know it's going to happen, but it doesn't always happen. Yeah. But you know, which, especially after after it happens the first what three or four times, you sort of know. But when you first start playing this game, that first jump scare is terrifying. <laughs> which terrified one? me, and maybe it's because I was playing this game at night and it was dark outside. And I got a little scared. I only play game, the game at night. I only play the game at night, and I only play the game alone because that's just you know my life i'm alone and it's always dark <laughs> so uh what what can you tell me this uh this moment without uh without spoiling uh, i'm trying to, to remember it? there's so been I so can... many of them now but i'm trying to remember the first the first real jump scare i i don't i don't remember but it was a moment where like a, there is basically a... A... oh go ahead no I, I i just don't remember like there's been so many of them now i'm kind of numb to them but at first the very first one i was like oh god <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. There is the one, I, the jump that really got me where I was like, okay, because I was just expecting some zombies was there's a scene in a flashback. Well, I'll just be, it's like the, maybe the first, yeah, it's the first flashback. And you basically get, get, um, like side, sidelined by a, by an animal <laughs> once you're expecting oh, yes. like yeah, some yeah, sort yeah. of monster. I was like, what the fuck? You know, that was just like <laughs> completely out of left field. Um, but, but I'm more tense when, it's like five people in a room and I'm like, one of these guys is going to get fucked up in some really vicious way. And you're like, Oh, 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 Oh. And the, and the production values are so good that it just, it evokes that level of, I don't want to see this. And you can go through levels. And what's interesting is that it seems like you have the option to go through levels and not kill anybody. But then once you enter a cutscene again, in these situations, it's like, okay, well now, now you have to kill this person. Because that's that's what we want you to do, and that's fine. I get it. They're trying to tell a story, but um, yeah, the, the you're just <laughs> and I need to play the game through to actually make this decision. But it just seems like we're dealing with horrible people. <laughs> like, like I don't like anybody in this game. I really don't. And that's kind of a problem when you're playing a narrative driven game. I guess I don't know. I find it. I find it again. It's like the this game seems more, and for lack of a better term, more human to me. Because in this situation where you basically have an an infection that takes over the world, takes over the U.S., right? At least that we know. We don't know if it's worldwide. We know it's in the U.S. at least. Where it takes over the U.S. And there is no right or wrong. It's about survival. And there's feelings involved with the way that people survive and how they want to survive. And, you know, the big event that happened in the first game that sort of sums up the first game it just gets carried over. And then you find out that that decision that was made at the end of the first game is a very complicated one. It's a decision that not only changed one person's life, that changed the life of a whole nother group of people that we weren't aware of. It's very easy to go. We're good. They're bad. And in this game, you basically sort of have two sides, but then you also have sort of this third side in the middle that acts as sort of this common, um this common enemy but we don't i don't even know at this point if whether or not that side has its own opinion so i don't know i'm i'm i like this story much better than the first one it's a lot more it's a lot less of like it's us versus them it's much more of like this is very complicated and there's these obstacles in the way 
that cause these, right? You've got the infected, and then you've got this other group. And then, like, there's so many different obstacles. You don't really know who's coming at you. It's literally just trying to survive. You're trying to get from point A to point B alive. And I just find that much more compelling of a story than, okay, I'm basically carrying a package. And I've got to carry this package all the way through the game. And through that, and you know, through the carrying of this package, we form a relationship. Like, this one seems a lot more, like, it's got a lot more thought put into it. It's got a lot more effort put into it. Um, so, yeah, I'm enjoying this better than the first one. I find the controls a little clunky where you you know enjoy the gameplay probably a bit more than I do, but I also didn't play the game for the gameplay. I could easily watch someone play this game. Yeah, and I was expecting to not... I was expecting to be in the opposite, where it's like, oh, I want I just want to see what happens. And, and I was surprised by how much I really enjoyed playing the game. Uh, and I'll be interested to see how it shapes out, how the story goes. And I know about the, the twist in the middle, um, and that perhaps might reshape the way I see the game overall when I when I get to the end because I will finish it. Uh, it might take a little while because I don't think I'm going to finish it before I uh, before I have to travel next week. Uh, but I'll probably finish in a couple of weeks. And when I uh, and I'll be interested to see how I think about it because at the moment I'm like, all right, I appreciate everything this game is. I I really respect them just going for it and making a lot of decisions that probably which i mean visibly pisses off a lot of people yeah like the discussion around this game is fascinating it's fascinating to be old and 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 it's nothing that i i would really condemn anybody for uh that made the game because it's like look you want to speak your vision you made your vision you executed it very well uh i don't know what was in your head when you wanted to do this thing but goddamn it you did it and you did it spectacularly you know um and Maybe if you said we were trying to do blank and I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't get that at all. Uh, that's fine. It doesn't have to be. I mean, at the end of the day, a, a game is a game. And as a game, I think the game is is like a masterclass in in a lot of areas. But when it comes to the narrative, I'm just like, oof. I mean, you are you're, you're stepping on weird territories for me because it's a genre I don't engage with. And I and I'm basically forced to. Um, and by my own, by my own willpower alone, not because anybody's making me do it. So it's, it's an interesting conundrum I have, and maybe that's just the way it's supposed to be. And who knows, maybe, maybe at the end of this, I would be like, oh, you know what? That, that character was all right. All right. These characters. Okay. All right. I I get it. And it'll just tie a nice, perfect bow on the whole experience. But at the moment I could, it's, it's a little tough. It's a little tough for me. Yeah, again, it's it's interesting because I guess I don't I haven't read as much about this game, right? I just I played the first one, I knew the second one was coming out. I didn't I haven't read all of the negative criticism. I've just read things about like, hey, the media gives this thing basically a perfect score, and all yeah, the users overall, are basically critici- bashing it's it. Very positive. It's very positive. Yeah. So yeah, so for me, I don't. Again, I all the characters to me are just characters in a story. Um, and maybe we can talk about it once we beat it so we can actually just have a yeah. bit of a, a spoils because that to me is a more interesting conversation where right now I would just say if you're thinking about getting this game and you've played the first one, get it. If you haven't played oh, the 100%. first one and you've seen it, I would say buy the first one. Buy the first one. I believe it's been remastered, right? If you have a PS4. Yep. Yeah, yeah. so buy the first one and play that and then that will sort of lead you into the second one so yeah for me it's a you should definitely play it. You should definitely pick it up. I'm enjoying it. I've played it every night for a couple of minutes at least um i'm probably a bit further than you i'm in about 20 hours so i don't think i have too much further to go i'm pretty no, close to like 25 end. 30 hours but here's the question yeah. are you are you bombing through it or are you scavenging no. and looking for stuff like i'm scavenging keep, and looking for stuff yeah yeah i keep going out of my way and being like oh i didn't look at that building yet because i'm always out of ammo it's like i always feel like i have no ammo 
and I and I'm basically like an RPG going through this, like saying, "All right, I need to level myself up, find all the pills, so I can have the best advantage because something's going to kick my teeth in, and I don't want to deal with that frustration." Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm I'm probably a bit of both. There are times where I tend to run away from. I, I guess I'm trying to play this game as for like more real i guess where i don't try to go through a level and kill every single person there are times when i've been like you know what the path of this thing is actually over here can i sneak around and get out of here um and sometimes it's just like yeah you know whatever i try to kill one thing i miss and this is why this is where my frustration comes in right like i try to do one thing i miss it creates a bunch of noise and then i have to go through and kill everybody yeah yeah, yeah. Where that's it's sort that's of like well, goes, i don't want to yeah. kill everybody like i just kind of wanted well, to get through this section yeah, over here. but again it's just the, like there's different ways to play this game you can play the game where you just try to get around everyone you try to kill as least people as possible and just try to get through it or you can just take the event of saying oh i'm gonna scavenge every single thing i'm gonna kill every single thing that i come across i'm gonna take my time and do it so yeah i've been stealth killing as much as possible and yeah there's rarely i get through a section where i'm like well i kind of left some people alive no there's just never anybody left behind <laughs> i i play in this game like an absolute savage but based on what happens in the game it sounds like in and the actions that are done in cutscenes, it's like i mean this kind of seems realistic for the character itself but but we'll see how it plays out i like the idea let's let's come back uh, after we've beaten the game in like a few weeks time and uh we'll do a retrospective full spoilers and we could get it all out there as that's yep sounds good Wonderful. All right. Back to the show. Woo! That was a fun conversation. <laughs> did you guys uh did you guys enjoy that one? Did you did you really uh do you agree or disagree with our takes on that game? I think I agree with John. Whatever it is, I agree with him. Yeah. Jeez, wow, you really you really are a masochist. <laughs> Go figure. You really you really are uh have masochistic tendencies. That's cool. Oh, All right, well, <laughs> Uh, John, you want to add anything? Any like non Last of Us stuff to? Uh, no. To um, uh, you guys enjoy the wedding next week. Um, I'm assuming that means we're going to get a break from the podcast for a week. No, I can. Um, and then I can't. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, God damn it! He's asking for a break. Yeah, I'm asking for a break. I need a break. But uh, but yeah. Otherwise, uh, yeah, it's always a joy having you guys on, and uh, maybe we'll have another topic soon as we get closer to this election that we oh, can yeah. uh, discuss about. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Brittany, can you try to get in touch with Chris and see if he'll actually respond? Because uh, he's ignored me. He's ignored he me it. as well. But Son of a bitch. All right. Well, then. He would have been interesting to have on this one as well. But, oh, well. Things are in the past. Well, thanks for joining us. This is fun. This is good. It's always good to uh, to take a whooping as a bit of a masochist myself. And uh, and for those listening, you know. Oh, wait. First, before I get into that, I should say, uh He's abroad.com. It's where you go see the links, uh, subscribe, rate, do all that stuff. Um, and the next time you're on a family Zoom call, because I was and I, I was thought about this yesterday when I was on the the Zoom call where Brittany got officially married. Um, you know, just just interrupt everybody and say, "Hey, look, this is great. I'm happy for you. I'm going to let you finish, but you should check out the He's Abroad podcast." You know, and they say, "What's that?" <laughs> you shoot them a link in the chat. You tell them to download it listen give it a rate and uh yeah that's how we grow so just think about how many hits you can have in one fell swoop the more heads the better so get to it and until well i guess two weeks from now because john's tapping at next week that's right this pod- out. all right this podcast is over <laughs>